The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, and can be found on page 1611 in your pew Bible. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No. You will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated.
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Does it seem to you that God doesn't do things the way we expect him to do them? You've heard me say, I wouldn't do it that way. In fact, if I had God's ultimate power and his ultimate good news, I would spell it out in the sky. And I would proclaim it on the lips of the angels above. And I would carve it into the mountains. And if I had God's resources... I would use every supernatural means to proclaim the good news. Thankfully, I am not God. And God has chosen the opposite way to get out his message. God has chosen to get his message out through the very natural method of human proclamation. Now, last Sunday, we learned through uh, that Jesus, that Jesus is the one who in Luke 9, 51, it was recorded, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And that means that Jesus had absolutely determined that he was going to Jerusalem to sacrifice himself for us on the cross. Do you remember how many times I said he had an appointment? Last week it was a lot, but Jesus kept that appointment on the cross. And when the Bible tells us that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, that is one more way that the Bible says and shows us that Jesus loves us. As we continue following Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, we learn that Jesus allowed extra time for and in his journey. He allowed extra time to minister in the towns and in the places to the people along the road. And in today's gospel, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place, where he himself was about to go. Jesus used 72 sinners to prepare people for his coming. Did you hear that? He used 72 sinners to prepare the people that he was coming. Sinners. Jesus sent sinners to proclaim his good news to the people. You know, we're so used to hearing the idea that sinners proclaim the word of God that we don't really even think about how strange that idea is to use sinners to proclaim the good news. Jesus put his most precious good news into the mouths of filthy sinners. 
Now, before <laughs> you might start wondering if I'm overstating this a little bit, being a little dramatic, uh, I am, but the point is this. Let's think about it out loud a little bit. I'll do the thinking and out loud for you, but Jesus sent out G Jesus sent out James and John, the sons of thunder. Remember last week? We heard that James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven on an unsuspecting Samaritan village just because they didn't want Jesus going across their lawn, I mean, across their land. Get off my lawn. And they wanted, hey Lord, should we call down fire and brimstone and just burn these people up? Sinners he's using. You know also that Jesus sent out Peter, the one to whom he had to say, get behind me, Satan. And then there was good old doubting Thomas. And then, of course, let's not forget Judas, the one who would betray Jesus, the one who would hang himself in despair. That Judas he sent out. He also was one of the disciples that Jesus sent out to prepare the way for his arrival. Each and every one of these disciples would fail Jesus many times, again and again. And after the events in today's gospel, they would fail him again and again. These are not the men that I would choose to get out the word if I was God. But then, mercifully, I am not God. And in spite of the fact that all of these men were sinners, in spite of the fact that we know that at least one of them, Judas, was a traitor, Jesus still entrusted his message to them. He said, the one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Jesus promised that even though they were sinners, his message would remain intact in their mouths. People were to pay no attention to the sins of the messengers. Instead, they were to pay attention to the truth of the message. What is this precious, holy message then? Well, in today's gospel, Jesus said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace. Be in this house. And this is no ordinary peace. This is the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is the peace that Jesus would soon earn when he finished with his journey to Jerusalem and kept his appointment with the cross. Jesus also told them, in addition to 
proclaiming peace on the house. He told them to heal and preach. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Remember those two words. The kingdom of God is different from earthly kingdoms. Here on this earth, we say that someone is a king because he rules a kingdom. And the king depends on the kingdom. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, things are the other way around, the exact opposite. Let me explain. The kingdom is the kingdom because Christ, the king, rules it. The kingdom depends on the king. And when we say the kingdom of God has come near to you, we are saying that the king has come near to you. That that king is Jesus Christ himself. And there were great blessings for the people who received these messengers from Jesus. He wrote, Whenever you enter a town, or he spoke, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And they would receive the blessing that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. And that is, God's kingdom came to them with his blessings. And so far, everything about this mission really sounds pretty good. But there is one dark side in this mission. Did you hear it? There was a warning. And it begins in the instructions. Jesus began with the warning, Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. And as wonderful as God's peace and his kingdom are, there will be some people who will attack you for it today. There will always be people who reject God's peace and his kingdom. There will always be those who hate God's message and they hate his messengers. And Jesus had stern words of judgment for the people who rejected the words of his servants. He, wrote, he said, Whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. And nevertheless, know this town that the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. You remember Sodom, right? Remember that? Sodom was the city that God destroyed with fire and brimstone clear back in Genesis. And Jesus very clearly states that those who refuse to listen to God's word will suffer 
a judgment worse than Sodom. We sometimes forget that the coming of Jesus means two very different things depending on how he comes. When Jesus comes near to you, he comes with grace. He comes with every blessing. When Jesus only comes near, he comes in severe judgment. You see, Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. One more time, Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. So when Jesus Christ hung from the cross and he shouted, it is finished, he meant it is finished for everybody. Jesus Christ has earned the forgiveness of sins for every man, for every woman, and every child who ever has or ever will be alive. And Jesus purchased the forgiveness of sins for all people in all places and in all times. This means that you can walk up to anyone in any place and you can tell them that you know for a fact that Jesus Christ has earned forgiveness of sins for them. Anyone, any place, at any time, you can say, I can tell you for a fact, Jesus Christ died and earned forgiveness of sins for you. Think of the absolute worst human beings who ever lived. Jesus earned forgiveness of sins for them. Nero, he burned Rome and played the fiddle while it burned, they say. Nero burned Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. But Jesus earned forgiveness for his sins. Genghis Khan, Jesus earned forgiveness for him. The people who carried out the Spanish Inquisition, Jesus earned forgiveness for them. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Osama bin Laden, whoever you can name, Jesus earned forgiveness for them. Even Judas Iscariot, Jesus earned Forgiveness for him. Now, hear me clearly on this. Are you listening? Even though Jesus earned forgiveness for those horrible villains, the odds that they are or will be with the Lord are extremely low. The problem lies in the two little words that I keep saying over and over. The two little words are, to you. Jesus earned forgiveness for everyone, but some people reject that forgiveness. It's not the Lord's fault that anyone suffers forever. He has brought his kingdom near. He has earned forgiveness for everyone's sin. The Holy Spirit offers that forgiveness through the gospel to everyone. And the Holy 
the only thing the Holy Spirit does not do is He doesn't force you. He doesn't force the gospel upon you. Some people resist the Holy Spirit and they reject the gospel. And the kingdom of God has come near, but not to them. Do you see the difference? In the small catechism, Martin Luther explains the Lord's Prayer. When he gets to the second petition, he says this, Thy kingdom come. And I love this in the small catechism. Thy kingdom come. And then the question is, well, what does that mean? You didn't write this, but then I'll tell you. It says, the kingdom of God comes indeed without our prayers. It comes of itself. But we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. Now, how is this done is the question. Well, when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead a godly life here in time and there in eternity, we pray in this petition that it may come to us. Two little words, just two little words, take the gospel from an objective fact to a personal reality. And those two words become the truth when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word. The Holy Spirit's gift of faith is what makes the the difference. Faith is a gift. Amen? So that no one may boast. It's a gift. And without that faith, the life of Jesus is just a collection of objective facts. But with that faith, the life of Jesus Christ is the way of salvation for you and for me. Two little words can make such a difference. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins can add two words to the objective facts. Let's bear with me. We're almost done. But let's, let's, just, let's just bear with you. Okay, here I go. Are you ready? Listen to these. I'm going to ask you to participate in a minute. Listen to what this difference makes. First I could say, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Then I change it and say, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary for you. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate for you. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for... Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead for you. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus ascended into heaven for... And from there, He will come. From there, He will come for... Amen. The two little words for you make all the difference 
here in time and forever in eternity. In short, Jesus is for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.